When Moses led the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt, he learned the power and the love of God. Join me, Pastor Hook, as we learn lessons from the Exodus and God's great rescue. We are in episode 39 of our study, Exodus, God's Great Rescue. And we started looking at one of the commandments yesterday, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt Thou shalt not kill. Um, in other words, don't take somebody else's life. And we talked a little bit about what that meant. And then towards the end, I, I talked a little bit about what Jesus said about that. And I was really short. And I really want to make sure we understand what Jesus is talking about here because it's, uh, it's pretty important. Because Jesus is just wonderful and he really takes everything to a different level. But I want to go back and read from Matthew chapter 5. So let's, uh, let's go look at Matthew 5, beginning at verse 21 again. Jesus said, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, You shall not murder. And anyone, anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or a sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, be in danger of the fires of hell. So th this is Jesus saying about, you've heard it said, don't kill. But here's, here's something you may want to think about. If you are angry with a brother or sister, if you're, you'll be subject to judgment. Anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to court. Anyone who says, you fool. So what does Jesus mean by this? And these are pretty; these are some fairly harsh words by Jesus. The Sermon on the Mount, which is where this comes from, is not the easiest words to listen to from Jesus because he takes everything to a whole different level. And it's probably worth saying a few things about this. First of all, Jesus says, angry with your brother and sister is not good. But Obviously, people get angry with their brothers and sisters all the time, right? I mean, if you have, if you have children, um, you know that they get angry with each other all the time. And Jesus got angry sometimes too. He went into the temple court and he turned over, overturned the tables. So it, this isn't necessarily a prohibition against anger. Um, and and now just the other one is like, don't say to your brother, or sister, Raka. Now Raka is a word. That meant basically you empty-headed fool. You, you, um, you know, uh, know, it's basically belittling somebody. It's, if by saying that this person has no common sense or this person is an idiot or something like that. And then even uh, later on, he says, you fool. But remember, Jesus, there, there are places where Jesus called the Pharisees fools. So it can't be just what he's talking about because even Jesus calls somebody a fool. So let's just pause and think about this for a moment. What this is right after Jesus says you've heard it say do not murder. But here are things that you should consider. So what Jesus is talking about, the way I interpret this is murder isn't just killing somebody. Murder is also taking somebody's reputation and destroying it. That if a person's livelihood is diminished because of something that you've said about that person or a person doesn't get a job because of what somebody said about that person or the person can't join society because of what a person said about that person, 
to me, this is destroying somebody's reputation. This is basically taking murder to another step, which is not taking the knife and you know stabbing him in the heart, but this is also using your words to defame or damage or to belittle somebody. That is also murder. And now, as Christians, we understand that that Jesus is able to forgive us for all these things. But when we say we want to live a life that pleases God, th- these are some of the things that we should think about, that, that we should not um, belittle somebody. We shouldn't be angry at somebody that causes them to lose uh, you know, their reputation. Um, we shouldn't say to, that somebody's a fool that, that causes them to lose their reputation because that's their livelihood. That, the most important thing a person has about them, particularly in the time of Jesus, is your reputation. And we should be very, very, very careful about destroying somebody's reputation in front of somebody else. That is not, uh, that is not good. I, and there are so many uh, places now on social media where you can actually destroy somebody's reputation. For example, let's say that somebody um, is a mechanic and the mechanic fixes your car and the, and the mechanic says, no, you know, it, uh, it wasn't this. It was, uh, you know, th- this was something totally unrelated to it. So if you want that fixed, we have to, you know, you have to pay me more money for it. But, and somebody might say, well, you know, I'm just going to destroy your reputation. And so they'll go on to some of these sites that actually have, you know, reputation building things and they'll put something down there like this mechanic is horrible or this painter is horrible or this person is horrible. I mean, this can go in all sorts of different things. And one should never just flippantly, we should do everything we can in our power to try to resolve the issue outside of destroying a person's reputation. Because once you start going down the path of destroying a person's reputation, you can really destroy it. Now, the other thing great about social media is that other people who know that particular mechanic might jump on board and say, hey, I've never had that problem. They've done nothing but treated me very well and very respectfully. And so you might have a like-dislike ratio that gives you information. I mean, this is what I look at whenever I buy anything off of Amazon, right? I'll scroll down to the, usually gives a five-star rating system, one, two, three, four, five, and I'll see how many five stars and four stars and three stars. And if it has 80 or 90% four and five stars, and then maybe two or 3% one star, I mean, I'll look at them, but I'll say, you know, the, the one-star people are just trying to make noise because you've always got noise. And I think that people in our society today understand noise. But the other thing is, is that you could you could start going down the path of destroying a person's reputation, even from one bad comment. Now, I this is this prohibition is not necessarily don't tell the truth because Jesus says, speak the truth. But Jesus also says, speak the truth in love. And so whenever we speak the truth, we have to make sure one, is it the truth? And B, are we doing it in love? And so if we were to go on the internet and say and give a bad rating, we might give more context to say, this is, uh, this is what happened to me. This is my experience. And so uh, I just want to put it out there so that you can put this in your thought process as you're going you know, forward to make a decision. But so many times in our society today, we have people that get angry 
because something didn't go their way and they get on the internet and they just do everything they can to destroy, to destroy somebody's reputation. So this, actually these, this commandment by Jesus is um, probably as applicable today as it was at the time that he wrote, that, that he said these words, right? This is, uh, this is very, very, very important. We should not destroy somebody's reputation. We shouldn't uh, do anything to them that prevents them from living their life. Now, uh, and as I've said, if it's, if it's justified, we have to speak the truth in love. But if it's unjustified, it's completely wrong, off the table, don't do it. Uh, Jesus says that, that it's the same as murder and we shouldn't murder. We shouldn't take away somebody's life or their livelihood or something like that. All right. So um, that's kind of all I really wanted to say on Matthew 5, uh, 21 to 22, um, which results in, the, you know, thou shalt not murder. But we're going to get into another commandment now. This is the next commandment on the list, and it's a very uh, interesting commandment. Jesus even spoke about this one. But let's just go ahead and talk about the commandment. See what Bible says about the commandment and then how Jesus um, gives further insight into this commandment. So it's uh, Exodus 20, 14. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not commit adultery. All right, so this is the next commandment. And this commandment is pretty clear and concise. Uh, We talked about this in Genesis, but... When two people come together and consummate their marriage, they are now married. Remember, there's two parts to marriage. One was the proposal, and then you had the ceremony. But people weren't truly married in the Old Testament until they came together and consummated that marriage. Now, why is this important? Because if there's a child that comes out of that marriage, there has to be a stable family for that child to live in. And so we have this biblical term called marriage, which is basically a commitment of a man and a wife to come together. They're going to produce children and they're going to create a safe environment for the, that children, uh, for those children, for, those, uh, for that child. And that, is, that has been around as long as humanity, right? Uh, a man shall leave his mother and a woman leave his home. I mean, th- th- these are things that have been around since the beginning of time. Adam and Eve came together to fir- create the first family. So th- this, this whole idea that God put into place is that the best way for children to be nurtured and raised is to be in a stable, loving mother, father, household, brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, whatever. I mean, this is, this is the best thing for a child. Now, what happens if there's adultery? If there's adultery, then uh, a child is born who is not of the father of that household. And if that happens, and if, uh, if somehow that information gets out, then that child, what happens to that child? Do the, does the father take that child and raise it as his own? Uh, it's not his child, so he's not legally required to. I mean, it just creates all sorts of problems uh, if that happens. And so there's a big, huge prohibition in that in Scripture because God put these Ten Commandments in place for us to live live 
healthy, happy, joyful lives. And as soon as you start committing adultery, now you're risking all of that because it is it is bringing different things into the relationship that shouldn't be into the relationship. And so um, don't commit adultery. Don't have, once you've bonded yourself to another person and you're starting to create that household and the potential of children in that household, um, don't bring foreign babies or you know foreign things into that household. You're, you're, you're bringing impurity into that household. Um, now, this is not very popular commandment in our world today. It seems like today, in today's world, that the whole idea of remaining monogamous to another person is like not even on the table anymore. And I don't know what the statistics are, but I would say that probably greater than 50% of people um, are experiencing, you know, are committing adultery. Now, the the question always comes up, uh, if I'm not married to somebody, am I committing adultery? Well, the first time that you consummate the marriage with somebody else, you're now married to that person. Biblically, remember, consummation is the marriage. So the first time that you consummate with somebody, you're now married to that person. Whether or not there's a legal ceremony behind it or not, you're married to them. Um, the whole legal ceremony was put into place to prepare a person to consummate the marriage because there's things that a father wants before his daughter gets married. Well, same thing with the son. You know, is the guy financially stable? Um, is there a place for him to live? Uh, is there a commitment that they will stay together in this relationship? I mean, these are the things that you want to be putting into place, but all of that surrounds the consummation. But the consummation itself is the primary part of the marriage. So even if you don't have a ceremony, even if um, you, know, you don't have a place to live, uh, even if you don't have a commitment right, to stay together, that consummation creates a marriage bond. And there could be children out of that relationship. And th the whole idea of children being born, there needs to be a stable family for that child to be born in. And so in the Old Testament, they created this whole ceremony to kind of uh, prepare everybody and make their vows and all that sort of thing. But then it was the consummation and now they're married. The two go hand in hand, but you are married even if there's no ceremony, if you've consummated a marriage, all right? that's You've done it foolishly and there's a lot of risk involved because that marriage could produce children. And um, I also think that there are uh, there are we are create there are certain animals in nature. We talked about this <clears throat> in Genesis also. There's certain animals in nature that stay married for life. Um, certain animals do it. Uh, we hear in the Southwest we have quail. Like quails stay married for life, and so there. But I believe in the human brain and the human mechanism that there is a bonding that happens when two people come together. And that that bond gets stronger and stronger. And, and so that protects the marriage relationship. Um, and I think if you are a person who uh, consummates or commits adultery with several different people, you are now bonding with different people. You're violating, you're violating what God has created. And 
you're reducing. It's like if you have a hundred percent ability to bond with your spouse, and then now you're you know bonding with a whole bunch of people. That's that's reducing your bond with your spouse. So God understands this because He created us, and so He puts this prohibition in place because He wants you to remain faithful to one person. Why? It's you know partly it's I think to to build the relationship between the man and the wife to to grow that marriage, to grow that love. Remember, marriage is sacrifice. The more we sacrifice, the more love grows. But truly, I think it's also to prepare to pre- to create a protective family environment for these children to grow up in because God knows that children need strong families if they're going to develop healthy. And a lot of people that have all sorts of problems later on in life and you track it down and very many of them come from just broken families, uh, unhealthy households, um, places where mom or dad doesn't exist. And, you know, I understand that that happens and this is part of our society, but it's not optimal for our society. God can redeem that. Um, there have been a lot of people that have come from broken homes that have done very, very well. And there are a lot of people that have come from great homes that have not done very well. So there's not necessarily a one-on-one relationship and God can redeem anything in our past. Um, but, but, but the standard that God sets is a family, a committed relationship to bring these children up. And this is all part and parcel of how God created us. That's why God gives us this command. And so we should not, you know, commit adultery. Now, what's interesting is like, how do you know if somebody's committed adultery? Um, because if a person, if a guy sneaks off and commits adultery or if a woman sneaks off and commits adultery, how is this known? And in the Old Testament, um, they actually, if you go to Numbers, there's actually a test. It almost sounds like the Salem witch trial. It's kind of weird. But there's this test that the priest would do to administer this potion to a woman if she was most likely pregnant. If she became pregnant, it's like, oh, I don't know how that happened. Then... Um, the priest, she would go to the priest and the priest would administer this potion. This is actually in the Bible. And if the potion created um, a rupture of the uterus and the baby was lost, that meant that, um, you know, the baby was, that was from an abortive, you know, it, the baby was from an adulterous relationship. And so that baby goes away. Um, if, if, the baby survives and the woman survives, then, then, you know, we're not exactly sure how, but this is your baby, right? This is, this is a baby that was not committed out of an adulterous relationship. And what's interesting is that you might think that this is voodoo or witchcraft or something like that, but it's not, I mean, it's in the Bible, but there had to be, there has to be some sort of test uh, right or wrong, there has to be some sort of test to keep the family protected that everyone in that family belongs in that family and it's still a loving, you know, a, a loving whole family. And so the test in Numbers 5, whether or not it, you know, worked or not or miraculous or something, what it did do is create a test to say, if this child lives, now it's a member of this family. You know, if there was questions about it before and all that, once this test is administered, the family remains intact. And even if the child looks different, looks like the mailman or something like that, <laughs> um, it's, it, the test basically creates 
a protected environment to say everyone in this family should be in this family and that the head of the household of that family should raise and love and nurture and accept that child as his own. Um, because God is all about protecting, you know, us, protecting our families. Um, and so that was, that was something that was in numbers that uh, I think is actually not a bad idea. Uh, I mean, let's just make a decision. Is it, is it an adulterous child or not? Is it a, what do they call that? A bastard child, kind of a crude word, but I mean, is this a bastard child or not? And so you have this test and it's like, the answer is yes. Oh no. Or the answer is no. And it's like, okay, fine. Then we'll move forward. Because um, no man out of ego wants to raise a child that isn't his own. Um, but we do know of one man that did do that. It, his name was Joseph of Nazareth. And he did not impregnate his wife. She said it was from God. And he accepted that. And he raised the child as his own. And loved the child as his own. And nurtured the child of his own as his own. And that child was raised in a very healthy, stable relationship and able to do great things because of Joseph. So, um, you know, it, it, we live in a very difficult world, a sinful world. People don't always do the things that they should do. But we shouldn't let the sins of the fathers go to the, you know, the sons and the grandsons and the generations, stuff like that, although they do. Um, but if a good, you know, a person like Joseph can can deal with it. Um, you know, the Old Testament has some great ways to also deal with it. Um, let's see. And, you know, the other interesting thing is that Jesus does talk about adultery. We're not going to get into this, but I guess we are. Um, we'll just continue reading in Matthew. This is right after what we talked about uh, murder. Let's see what Matthew says about adultery. This is Matthew 5, 27 to 30. You've heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away, it is better to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. So Jesus also says that we shouldn't lust after somebody else. And this is, oh man, Jesus is so wonderful. Now, why would Jesus say this? I mean, like what harm is there in lusting? At, it's like the, we're going to get into the uh, um, coveting sins later on. But like if I, if I were to lust after another woman, you know, walking down the street and lust after her, it's like, how is that harming her? You know, how is it really harming me? Well, it's harming the marriage relationship. Because anytime you lust after somebody else, it diminishes the bond that you have against your spouse. And God created us as people that do best when we bond with another person and let that marriage grow stronger and stronger through time. So we should protect that marriage by not lusting after anybody else. And um, so that's, that's why Jesus said this. If you... Uh, look at another woman lustfully, you're committing adultery. You're breaking the relationship with your spouse. And this is so good words because there is so much available today on the TV and on the internet that, that would, you know, there's some, a lot of beautiful people out there, right? That you could lust after a lot of, you know, shows on TV that, that 
could, you know, like, man, fall in love with that person. She's really hot, <laughs> you know. But Jesus says, don't do that because it's going to violate your marriage bond that you have with the person that you're married to. Um, so please, please don't do that. If it causes you to, you know, then he goes right into, you know, uh, it is better to lose one part of your body. You, you almost get the feeling like Jesus is saying, because uh, he goes right into your right eye, causes you to stumble, gouge it out. Jesus is like, if you're going to be lustful uh, over what you see out there in the world, you better just cut out your eyes uh, because that's the way you should live your life. You should live your life blind than lust after other people. And um, I think that sounds a little harsh, but again, God wants to protect that bond, that relationship. He wants to do everything that he can to protect that relationship. I have been married, what, now 35 years, is it this summer? Yeah, 30, 35 years this summer. Wow, congratulations, um, Mrs. Hook. <laughs> we made it to 35 years. Um, that happened about a month ago, I think. And, um, you know, I, I, um, I, I can only speak from my personal experience that um, our love continues, or my love for her, continues to grow stronger and stronger every day. And I don't lust after other people. Um, I lust after her. <laughs> different kind of, you know, as you get older, it's you just it's different things and different lusts and different things that you see in your wife. When when she was young, I loved her because um, I just thought she was the most beautiful person I've met. <laughs> and I still do think she's very, very beautiful. Uh, but as you get older, you love you love your spouse for a whole bunch of different reasons. Um, and, you know, their personality and their character and, and uh, just, they're just, it just grows. Love grows and flourishes and, and does amazing things. And, uh, you know, remaining, um, uh, remaining with her to not break the bond of relation, you know, of marriage uh, is just a huge blessing in my life. And uh, I, I don't know how other people are and I don't know what you know they've experienced all I can tell you is from my own experience which is these are good words what Jesus is talking about are good words because if you follow them uh, your your marriage is taken to a level that I I don't know you know I don't go around asking people <laughs> you know but for me for me personally it has been taken to a, a phenomenally great level and uh, and I'm very grateful for it so I highly admit, I highly admit, I highly, um, I highly say to you that this is, um, that th these are good words and you should follow them. It will make your life better and more joyful and more fruitful and lovely if you do that. Oh, Jesus also, real quickly. Um, yeah, no, I, I think I'll maybe do that for tomorrow. So um, let us uh, let us go ahead and close in prayer. Gracious God, thank you for this time together and these words. Um, Lord, for some, these are really difficult, and for some, uh, these convict at the heart. And uh, But we know that you are more powerful and gracious and loving than even our own hearts. And uh, so we lay this up to you, and we pray, Lord, that you— that you be with us today until we gather together again. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen.